Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Clocked In with the Press, hosted at Altman Studios in Brentwood, California. We are here to spread some news, spill some tea, and make sure that you, our listeners, are both informed and entertained. Not everything stated in this podcast is supported by or reflects the beliefs of the press, so if you disagree with me or possibly agree with something said, let me know on Twitter or Instagram at PressClockedIn or on our Facebook at ThePress.net. I'm your host, Caitlin Gleason, Clocking In. So for the story of the day, as we enter into the school year, along with it comes the start of high school sports, such as football, volleyball, swimming, and more. On top of regular challenges of scheduling, time management, and increased practices for students, they now are faced with the added obstacle of participating in sports during a pandemic. However, before we get too deep into the topic of the day, let's review the top stories of the week. The Contra Costa County Sheriff's Office announced Monday, August 30th, that three suspects have been arrested and charged in connection with the death of a man following a shooting on Brentwood Boulevard in unincorporated sections of the city last week. Oakley resident Daniel Marmino, 49 years old, and 19-year-old Nathan Rapone Lindsay of Yuba City and 43-year-old Dennis Lindsay, whose current residence was not disclosed, have been charged in the death of Justin Silva on August 24th. Marmino is charged with murder, while Lindsay is charged with murder and burglary, and Rapone Lindsay is facing charges for murder and dissuading a witness. Silva was one of three shooting victims and the only person to die in the incident on the afternoon of August 24th. The sheriff's office has not released an update on the condition of the two victims that survived the incident. Next, a 16-year-old student at Antioch High School was arrested following an altercation with school staff, the Antioch Police Department announced in a press release dated August 30th. The incident took place on school grounds on August 27th, shortly at roughly 11.20 a.m. According to Lieutenant Desmond Bittner in a press release, Antioch police officers arrived within several minutes and located two security guards holding a student down on the ground in the quad area of the school. Several Antioch police officers assisted the security guards in placing the student in handcuffs. The student was ultimately placed under arrest and transported to the Antioch Police Department for assaulting a school employee, fighting on a school campus, and resisting or delaying an arrest. Next up, Operation Green was created in April 2021 by student Alexi Lindman. Starting off with 18 participants, Operation Green was branched out into collaboration with various organizations. Volunteers from Sustainable Leaders in Action, or SLIA, the youth branch of the nonprofit Sustainable Contra Costa, organize and run the event. Operation Green, basically Mission Impossible, was a three-week interactive program in July for 8 to 10-year-olds. Six in-person or Zoom spy-themed missions taught kids about environmental topics in fun and engaging ways. Waste Watchers, Secret Ingredient, Eager Energizers, Together is Better, Agents on the Move, and Aqua Avengers. Lindman, Sarah Khan, who is the SLIA's public relations intern, and Mia Jiang and Lizel and Catahan helped manage the team leads, advertise the project, delegate tasks, and communicate with sustainable Contra Costa advisors. Next year, an Operation Green intern will run the project. This organization has provided younger generations an opportunity to get involved in making Contra Costa County greener. Lastly, the Brentwood Union School District Board faced a delay during its monthly school board meeting on August 18th when a group of community members interrupted proceedings to express their frustrations with the district's policy regarding face coverings for students. A discussion item titled Mask Guidance was placed on the agenda for the meeting based on community suggestion. 
After a brief deliberation, the board opted to maintain the status quo and its mask mandate, causing some in attendance to shout insults, expletives, and threats to vote the board out in its entirety. The uproar resulted in the board choosing to briefly recess the meeting before it continued uninterrupted. So those were the weekly top stories, and let's get back to the main story of the day. Here to discuss it with me further is Heritage High School Athletic Director, Nate Smith. Hi, Nate. Hey, Caitlin. Thanks for having me on today. Of course. Thank you for coming out. And so how long have you been working at Heritage High School as the Athletic Director? So this is my fourth year as the athletic director at Heritage, uh, my eighth year teaching at the school. Mm. Really fortunate as athletic director to kind of follow in the footsteps of Pat Cruikshank, who was the athletic director there from the time the school opened. Mm -hmm. And he's now the North Coast Section Commissioner. So it's given me not only, you know, a great mentor in the position since I took over uh, from him in the 2018-19 school year but also a direct line to the section office whenever I need it, uh, which, which is very valuable <laughs> at times, uh, you know, when we're looking for a little, you know, insight as to what decisions will be uh, coming down the pipeline. Right. So, so that's been great. Uh, like I said, my eighth year uh, teaching at the school as well. And previous to that, I was at Liberty High for eight years. Really? And I've actually been at all three schools in the district. So uh, I've gotten to see a little bit of how every school works, our district from a number of levels. And as athletic director, my my third year was not a regular year mm -hmm. last year being uh, that we didn't have anything in the first semester. And then we crammed 22 varsity sports into the second semester, but hoping that year four uh, resembles more uh, year one in terms of a little bit of normalcy. Right. OK, so it's kind of that like return back that you kind of are all looking forward to. Absolutely. I mean, the last two years, you know, with with the shutdown two springs ago and then last year we had 15 varsity sports in one season at, at the end of the school year. and it was a bit of a whirlwind. We were right. super happy to see our kids and our families getting to experience high school sports again, or at least experience participation. And we'll talk a little bit more about the difference of that, you know, as we go mm -hmm. on today, but at least that to experience that participation again. And this year we're hoping to once again, get back at some point to what the high school sports experience is. Right. Okay. Um, and so what are some of your main duties as the athletic director at Heritage? Well, you know, you talk a little bit about it earlier when you, you know, just mentioned scheduling, time mm -hmm. management, all of that. And, you know, you're in charge of all the facilities. You're in charge of scheduling, you know, not only contests, but also all of the officials, all of the budgeting, mm -hmm. you know, working with the local community and, you know, making sure all of your student athletes are cleared for competition mm -hmm. from a liability standpoint, you know, making sure they're medically cleared, academically cleared. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have new students, there's a process with that as well. So, and really that list just kind of expands as the year goes on. Right. And, and the biggest thing though, is you're in charge of building the relationships from the top down in the athletic department. Oh, okay. you know, you're in charge of building those relationships with those coaches and making sure that every program that is run at your school falls within the same mission, building the same type of culture to where your student athletes are on the same page, no matter what sport they're playing. Mm -hmm. And they have the same expectations when they go out for a sport at your school they know what to expect as a student athlete. Okay, so it's a lot of like operations and then a lot of like interpersonal management when it comes to like the students and the teachers and the coaches. Should probably have you write a little bit of my job description right there. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Operations and then the, the interpersonal <laughs> management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, operations is a big part. Finance is a big part. Mm -hmm. But relationships, 
sits above that because otherwise they don't really want to hear what you have to say about anything else. Right. And so I guess with interpersonal relations, you know, a lot of those were strained when everybody had to work from home and everything. And so at the moment, are you working mostly in the office or is much of your job still work from home? So we are full in-person school, which means I'm full in-person in the office. Okay. Um, You know, and I was there even when we were in remote distance learning. Mm -hmm. I taught my classes on Zoom from my office. Got it. Okay. I did my work from the office because my job also requires having a relationship with all the other offices on campus, with our student store, with our secretaries, Mm -hmm. with each building, and also keeping an eye on facilities at all times. Mm. And... You know, our teams were cleared to work out and practice, you know, back at the start of last school year in their cohorts. It didn't look like practice. It was just getting them out of the house and working out. But that also meant I had to make sure our facilities, you know, mm-hmm. were in shape at that time. Take a look at what was going on with those workouts. Make sure they were following protocols. So I've been in the office since the start of last school year. Mm-hmm. And now every athletic director also works from home. We'll make that clear. <laughs> no matter, you know, We'll put it a full day in the office, but I don't know a single athletic director who leaves all their work in the office and doesn't work from home. Right. There's um, always that, something left. That, over that's that the demands of the job. That's the expectation. So, but yes, um, you know, to answer that, we're, I'm fully in the office and uh, hopefully I'm not taking mm-hmm. too much home at night yet. <laughs> hopefully not. Um, and so you mentioned it earlier, how you were teaching and coaching a little bit before you were athletic director. And then you also did so at other schools as well. So um, what were the sports that you either currently coach or did coach in the past? So that's kind of one of the things is I've had a little bit of a unique coaching journey, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't start off that way. When I, you know when I started coaching, I was a football track guy, and that mm-hmm. was that, and that was all. That's you know when I went from the high school level to the college level, coaching you know football and track, mm-hmm. and and then along the way, I had a school throw a monkey wrench at me and told me as part of my job description, I had to be a head women's tennis coach at the same time. Mm. Uh, they slipped that one in after I had agreed to accept the job. And so then I started coaching tennis and, um, at heritage, I've also coached cross country. Mm. Um, before that, when I was at Liberty, I was the head football coach for six years. When I stepped down from doing that, they, uh, got me to coach softball for a few years and water polo for a year. And I've been a head track coach at both the high school and college level. Okay. Uh, head track coach at freedom high and at a couple different colleges back East. Okay. So, so you're kind of this to the I, jack I, of I all trades. Gamut, um, <laughs> you know, I joke around with, with, you know, my volleyball staff had a, conflict one weekend a couple years ago you know when they had a tournament and and our head coach asked me she goes well do you have any recommendations I said well I guess I can show up and coach the team for you sort of joking around (laughs) and and she took me up on it um and so I like to joke around with her because we went undefeated in the games that I coached there so I I said all right now I get to add volleyball to my list that I've done um but it's it's fun um it gives me unique perspective I think Mm -hmm. having actually been hands-on with so many sports Mm-hmm. you know, at the high school or college level. And so when I go out there as athletic director and I'm supporting our student athletes, I think I have, you know, pretty good knowledge of what the demands of their sport are. And I hope that that helps me relate just a little mm-hmm. bit better having put myself in the shoes of all these different sports. Yeah. I think that that's like having that much experience definitely is something that would help with the position. I um, mean, so kind of on the topic of all those different sports, um, what are the main sports that are currently starting up for the fall and winter seasons? Well, unlike last year, we're back to a normal schedule as defined by the California Interscholastic Federation Mm -hmm. and the North Coast section. Mm -hmm. So no 22 sports in one season. No, (laughs) not at all. Um, And so we're back to eight varsity sports happening in the fall. Okay. So we have football, we have boys and girls cross country, boys and girls water polo, and then we have a a trio of girls only sports, which is girls golf, girls tennis, and girls volleyball. Okay. So those are our eight uh, fall sports. Um, 
you know, our rally squad and dance teams are working out and they're, mm-hmm. and they're, they have their own competition seasons that happen in the winter. But so we go from there, we have those eight, we have five defined, uh, winter sports in mm-hmm. the NCS that we do boys and girls, basketball, boys and girls, soccer, and wrestling, mm-hmm. um, our traditional competitive cheer team and our dance teams also compete during the winter. And then we have 10, uh, official spring sports to mm-hmm. finish out the season. Okay, um, so so all these high school varsities now are kind of able to get back into the motions that they weren't quite sure about like last year. Correct, and, and we're also excited because we also know going forward we're also going to have our three unified sports seasons. Oh, okay. so we have unified soccer now getting ready for the fall, mm-hmm. and we'll have four games for unified soccer again in the fall, which is you know a great thing to offer um, some of our you know some of our other students mm-hmm. in you know, in that department. And it's just great. We're a special Olympics champion school. Mm-hmm. And so to bring that back has been, um, you know, really a blessing to bring that back for those student athletes as well. Okay. Um, and so along with that, you know, as we're resuming back to the normal schedule, has participation in these sports, you know, increased or stagnated or remained the same or decreased in light of existing COVID-19 restrictions and like the lifting and then the re-adding on and all that? Well, as expected last school year, everybody's numbers dropped. Mm-hmm. And, but how we view that really, we have to look at the lens of one, no, nobody fielded freshman sports. Right. So when we did that because, well, having 15 sports going on at once, we didn't have the facilities, the officials, the, the, the coaches, the athletes, there just wasn't the ability mm-hmm. for us to field all three levels, you know, and, and do so adequately. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have freshman sports. So our numbers of ninth graders who were on teams because they had to be on junior varsity teams was significantly lower last school year than we see in a normal year. Mm-hmm. You know, in a normal year, we're somewhere between 12 and 1300 student athletes at heritage. Wow. Um, last year we were a little, just below 800. Oh, wow. So, which considering everything we felt pretty good about mm-hmm. based on the early returns this fall, the number of athletes that I've cleared for fall sports and our early roster numbers for those eight, it appears to me like participation is either on par with where we were at two and three years ago or potentially going to surge above that. Okay. And, it, you know, because I think a lot of kids who maybe weren't planning on doing sports were like, okay, I've been in my own bedroom for two and a half years. Not two and a half, a year and a half. It felt like <laughs> two and a half, um, but it's not that long. Um, and so now do you think that potentially – being able to return now, a lot of people are like, I want to get out more. I want to be more active. I don't want to have to just sit in my room this whole time since I just did that for a really long time. We are seeing a little bit of that, you know, and, and there are some new names coming across my desk that I haven't seen in, in the last two, three years. And I'm going, oh, you're a junior, you're a senior, and I've never seen their name on a roster. So mm. we are seeing a little bit of that, uh, especially in some of our sports that are high participation sports where we don't cut. Right. Um, you know, we're seeing... You know, we're seeing more kids coming out for cross country this year. Mm. You know, we, we have slightly more girls out for golf. Mm-hmm. You know, our football numbers are back up again, you know, at all three at all three levels. And so right. we're looking at going, OK, we have more people coming out for athletics. And even in our sports where we do cut athletes, the returns have been tremendous. I mean, we, we've probably had had to cut close to 50 girls from our volleyball program who tried wow. out and we just don't have the spots altogether. So that shows you the the numbers of people who want to come out and participate Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when that happens, we then try to funnel them back into sports where they can participate. Mm. And so I'm interested to see the way the rosters get finalized in the next week here. But I think they're going to be obviously bigger than last season. I think they might across the board be larger than two and three years ago as well. And like I said, it seems like there's an urge mm-hmm. for people to get out there and participate. 
Okay. And so with, you know, participation either becoming more regular or increasing and with, you know, the schedules all getting back to normal in terms of just starting and things like that, um, will the frequency of meetings and practices for these athletes also be returning back to normal or is that kind of going to be looking different? We are fully back to normal in that regard. We are back to a normal student athlete schedule, which means time management is a critical, critical skill. Mm -hmm. Nutrition management is critical. Oh, yes. You know, <laughs> just, just taking care of one's body and mind. And those are things that our coaches, you know, try to teach as well because there are large demands. Now we're back in school till three o'clock mm-hmm. and then being a student athlete. Last year, that wasn't the case. On distance learning, you know, that school day was over around 12.45, one o'clock. Right. And then they had office hours. So practices actually started earlier. We didn't, some sports didn't practice every day because last year, one of the unique things we had in the spring was that high school and club sports were allowed to exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. So our high school coaches were cognizant that if they were competing during club season, we might not practice every day, Mm -hmm. knowing that our student athletes were going out to clubs as well. This year, that's not the case. All the regular rules and regulations are back in place. All of our practice limits and practice times are back in place. And we expect our student athletes to once again juggle a full school schedule plus a full athletic schedule. It's a big commitment. Mm -hmm. We teach that from the beginning. And it's something that, you know, obviously requires that all in, you know, buy into that culture of success with your athletic department. And so far, we're seeing that in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so are there currently any athletic programs like or, or specific programs that are having a harder time adjusting or potentially sustaining themselves in terms of funding or attendance or, or participation or anything like that, like post Nothing happening. <laughs> You're speaking for Heritage High School. Yes. We're not seeing many of those issues. Okay. Now, if you want to talk about who was really hit with funding, mm-hmm. those were your general athletic department budgets across the board. Right. You know, they because your general athletic department budgets rely on gate revenue. Mm-hmm. They rely on having full attendance. Mm-hmm. And last year, what we saw was our league gave free admission. Mm-hmm to those two parents for every student athlete. And that was it. That was all who was allowed to come were the parents or guardians of the student athletes. And we let them in for free. So we had zero gate revenue for an entire school year. In the meantime, because we ended up having every sport happen, we still incurred almost all of our normal costs. Okay. So we still incurred all of our normal officials costs. We still incurred all of our normal management game personnel costs. Mm -hmm. Now in our school district, Our district has been tremendous in moving forward this year in recognizing that we had those big revenue losses Mm -hmm. and working with us to offset that to make sure that our budgets are sustainable moving forward. So in our school district, no, we haven't really been hit by that. Now, I can't say the same for other districts outside of ours, Mm -hmm. um, including participation. I know that, you know, there's a number of teams where we've tried to schedule and they might not have all the lower levels that we have. Mm -hmm. So there's been a bit of a juggling act there. Um, freshman football is a great example. Right. You know, in our school district, all three of our teams have freshman football. Mm-hmm. Our schedule for our freshman football team, only four of the schools that we're playing are schools that our JV and varsity are playing. Five of the schools that our JV and varsity are playing, or six of them, sorry, six of the schools that our JV and varsity are playing don't have freshman teams. Oh, like they like the freshman teams got cut because they had pre- freshman teams previously? They did, and they don't have them anymore. They don't have the numbers. So our freshman team is, we've had to go out and scramble to find different opponents who mm-hmm. do have freshman teams and are also looking 
for freshman only games. Mm. So that that's been one sport where I've seen it. Uh, we're seeing it a little bit in, in volleyball as well, where people don't necessarily have the numbers that we have here in our school district. Got it. So looking outside, we've had to do some creative scheduling to have opportunities for our lower level student athletes. Okay. So like I said, outside of our school district, I would say that participation has been hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not sure if that's going to return to normal or not. Okay. Okay. So I guess kind of on that note, you know, like, because you mentioned how the previously only the two guardians were allowed to go and we're kind of figuring out all of those scheduling things with people. Um, so for spectator heavy sports, you know, like football, for example, will spectators now be allowed to attend those home or away games to support the local teams? Or what is that kind of going to look like for like the residents of Brentwood who want to go watch heritage football? <laughs> As of now, mm-hmm. If you want to come to a high school football game, Mm -hmm. the only requirement is that you'll have to buy a ticket. Okay. (laughs) Now, (laughs) as of now, meaning at this point, we are waiting and our school district is anticipating. And I talked to, you know, our North Coast section office and even our state office. They're all anticipating in the next, you know, week or so that they get updated youth sports guidance from the California Department of Public Health Mm. and from the county health offices as they pertain to high school sports that are starting up now. Mm -hmm. We have no idea when that will be, no idea what that will look like. Every time last year we anticipated getting that guidance, it seemed like it got delayed. Okay. So so as of right now, there are no restrictions on especially outdoor, you know, we're not going to surpass the numbers that are considered mega events. Mm -hmm. We don't put over over 10,000 people, you know, into a football stadium or over 5,000 you know, we're not exceeding those numbers. Mm-hmm. So uh, up to that point, we're, oh, you know, unrestricted attendance. Now, if they're going into an indoor event like a volleyball match, right now we haven't been given any attendance restrictions other than all attendees must be masked mm-hmm. because that has to comply with indoor guidance. Right. So outside of that, now, would it surprise me if we got guidance that told us otherwise? Not at all. Nothing surprises me in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. You've really learned to just take it by stride at this point. <laughs> uh, you know, the term we keep using is it's a fluid situation. Right. So when we give answers, it's at this point, as of now, mm-hmm. and, and nothing's concrete, nothing's set in stone. And I think, you know, to the to speak to our community, they've gotten used to that as well. Mm-hmm. They, they really have. And our parents have gotten used to things changing. Our students have gotten used to things changing. And I think they've really learned how to take that in stride mm-hmm. and learn that there are those things we have control over and there are those things we don't. Right. And this question right here, we really don't have control over that. We're going to go with the guidance that we're given. Okay. And so, you know, with all of that in mind, how can local residents, you know, aside from attendance, possibly like if that, you know, for some reason gets um, limited. So how can local residents help support and be involved in hometown sports as we are moving forward into the fall and winter seasons? If you have a school you really love to support, if you love being out at games, mm. you know, all of us have our schedules on our websites. All of us athletic directors have email addresses you can reach out to. And and my thing would be to start following your teams, find out when those games are and, and reach out to those programs. If it's something where you want to support them by being there, look on our websites for all of our schedules. You know, we put out posters and we put out all of our game. We preview all of our games on all of our social media channels. And mm-hmm. we try to make sure everybody knows when it's going on. If you're not comfortable coming to a game, mm-hmm. but you want to support otherwise, you know, contact the athletic director or head coach. Mm-hmm. We, we do have a lot of needs right now as we get back to full participation, you know, paying for full tournament entry fees again and, right. you know, covering all those costs. And for, from my standpoint, I'm also looking for as many 
local businesses as possible to partner up with mm, where, right. you know, they, where they're sponsors of heritage athletics. And at the same time, we're trying to then promote their business, trying to work hand to hand because they need as much help getting their feet back on the ground as we do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you want to come in person, that's great. We encourage you to come follow all regulations. If you can't do that, but you want to get involved in other ways, there are so many ways that we will get you involved with athletic teams and athletic departments in so many different ways you can show your support. Mm-hmm. You know, just reach out to the athletic director, head coach, and all of our contact info is right there. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. All right. Thank you, Caitlin, for having me. That's it for today's episode of Clocked In with the Press. Are you excited for the startup of high school sports? What sports do you or have you previously played? And how do you think schools can handle the pandemic while still preserving the high school athletic experience? Let us know what you think on Twitter or Instagram at PressClockedIn or on our Facebook at thepress.net. You can also stay updated on the most recent news in East Contra Costa County through our website at www.thepress.net. There are a million people out there with a million stories, and I intend to cover them one episode at a time. This is your host, Caitlin Gleason, clocking out.